see you all here today. I've been waiting for quite a while to be able to come and speak to you here at Campion. I think I've been working at the conference office for probably seven, eight years now. Uh, I'm not sure if all of you know I'm actually a volunteer. I don't get paid for what I do, so that might give you a little more uh, impression on why what I do is important to me. It's more than a paycheck, it's more than just a job. It's a mission and it's a ministry. And uh, I love to share with other people and it's, it's good to be here with you today. Expect the unexpected. As you notice, I changed the, uh, the title that's in your bulletin and uh, didn't get it in in time for it to be in the bulletin, but the Dutch cyclist Annemiek van Vluten the reigning world and Olympic champion was favored to win the Olympic road race this, Sunday, this last Sunday. And after nearly four hours of grueling racing, she is seen here celebrating her gold medal victory. The only problem is that the unlikely lone Austrian, Anna Kiesenhofer, had crossed the finish line more than a minute before, causing the biggest shock in Olympic road racing history. The Dutch, had calculated the, big, the Dutch had calculated their plan to win without crucial information about a rider out ahead that they had lost sight of. With no radio communication during, in the Olympics, the reigning world and Olympic champion was unable to plan her, her race accordingly and lost the gold. Expect the unexpected. The lame man laying at the pool of Bethesda also was not expecting what would happen to him that day. What he was really expecting was more of the same that each day held for him. Pain, failure, no hope. He was not expecting to meet the healer who would do what the pool could not do. Learn to expect the unexpected. As a church, we should expect the unexpected, or as Jesus may have put it to his disciples, get used to different. Because we, like the lame man, continue in a world of pain and disease and long for something better, someone to deliver us, as a church, we talk about taking the gospel to the world, and in reality, this appears to be an impossible task. But how are we doing? Are we any closer to finishing the mission that, uh, in the last 200 years? We wait for him to do something for us while he waits to carry out he waits for us to carry out the mission he has given us. We need the unexpected. So what if, just what if the very answer to accomplishing this impossible task is right in front of us? And we have just been pushing it to the side, ignoring it, like the rejected cornerstone that Jesus gave us example of him. And we continue to try on our own methods as, 
And as late as 1918, during the Spanish flu pandemic, our sanitariums had one-tenth the deaths as the best hospitals in the world that drew the attention of the world to God's healing principles. While 102 years later, our hospitals did no better with COVID than any of the other hospitals. What changed? We are backsliding and losing our influence. While we go our way and our, with our own plans, looking for something that works, God knows what He's doing. He has an effective plan that worked in the past and it will work now as well. We just need to learn to trust Him. The stage is set. A worldwide pandemic, a world to reach. A healing ministry, a world that wants health. Do you see a connection? You want the attention of the world? He had no problem getting a crowd. At times, a million people, 500 men plus women and children, came to listen to him. Jesus went through Galilee. In Matthew 4, 23, we read, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. They came because of the healing. The mighty works. Why did they come from every town, village, and region near and far away? It was because of his mighty works, the miracles of healing that he performed, the demonstration of his love and compassion for the suffering and the lost. Just to be clear, the healing was not the gospel. but it gave a platform for the gospel to be given. The news spread, and they flocked to him. Matthew 14, 15, when the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area, and soon people were bringing the sick to be healed. He had a crowd. Maybe we need to expect the unexpected. My advice is to copy the expert. Follow our leader. Learn from the one who gave us the commission in the first place. This was not just something that Jesus planned to do on his own. From the very beginning, he started training his disciples. And now, he sends you. The disciples went, will we? So, let's do it. Let's do this thing. When you think about this, I mean, it looks amazing, doesn't it? 
It's like, let's get going. Let's do it. Let's get out the pews and do what he has planned to do. But as I've been saying all along, expect the unexpected. He promised us that, he will, that we will even do greater works than he did. What? Do you have a picture of him healing an entire village where there was not one moan of sickness there? What would that look like here? If we were doing the very same thing and even greater than he did, what would it look like here in Campion? What would it look like here in Denver? I can't even imagine it. I guess I need to expect the unexpected too. Most assuredly, here's the text, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. We have a source. We have a source for the power. He did too, didn't he? He said, I don't do anything except from the Father, and we do the same thing. There's no way we should ever take credit, even if we saw huge things and marvelous things happening in our world. We should never look to ourselves, but always point to the one, the source, that gives it to us. So what do these greater works look like? Greater works, greater healings, greater evangelism, greater crowds, greater personal opportunities. Get used to different. So, everything's in place. Just one problem. You know, many are busily telling everybody that our health practices don't matter. First of all, there's a need, there's a commission, there's the power, and there's you. But have you heard it's not a salvation issue? And certainly, we are not saved by what we eat or we don't eat. It is not a salvation issue that way. But that message, that message has dampened the opportunity to do what God wants us to do. That message is used when a person says, I don't want to change. It's not a salvation issue anyway. I would love to see that gone and say, I want to do the will of my Father who's in heaven. Yes, we live in a different world than Jesus did. And healings today will be different than they were back then. In Jesus' day, they did not understand some of the physiology. They did not look at it and say, well, here is how this disease happens. I mean, we look at leprosy today. We've got a solution to that, probably mainly through lifestyle. They didn't have that then. So all he could do was touch them and speak the word, and they were healed. That was the method. 
Today, we understand the physiology. We can teach people. We can tell them how to make changes in their life and so that they, are, they will be healed through following those principles. So the healing that we see today is going to be different. There are others who have discovered the power of the lifestyle practices that God has blessed our church with. You may know some of these guys. They are seeing miracles happen. They are seeing people who had heart disease being heart attack proof. The things they teach and as the people practice and follow that, they are seeing miracles. They are physiological miracles. Even though they don't recognize the source of what they teach, they experience these miracles. They may not know that they, but here's the interesting thing. They may not know that they are a fulfillment of prophecy. Let's look at this saying. This was written many, many years ago, long before they showed up. Some who do not profess to be Christians treat these matters with greater reverence than do some of our own people. And unless we arouse, they will go in advance of us. They are fulfilling prophecy. They are going in advance of us when we could have had the opportunities to be recognized as the givers of God's best gifts. If I thought it was too late to turn this around, I would not be here giving this sermon to you today. I believe we can turn it around. I believe we can take those same principles and those same things that they are giving, the physiological aspects that we do in our lifestyle center, and add to it the healing of the miracle worker because we partner with him. So we will not only see physiological miracles, but we will see miracles done that they could never imagine because of our prayers and because of our trust in the miracle worker who partners with us. I can't wait to see that happen. That's our goal. That's the reason that uh, Dr. Arnott has come and joined our Lifestyle Center because we believe we can do better than just physiological miracles. Could we begin to see a health movement that would attract the attention of the world? I believe we can. He promises miracles. And I expect them. I'm going to tell you just a few modern miracles that have happened to me in the last year. Actually, miracles happened to somebody else, but I got to I got to see them. You know, we saw the picture of Jesus standing there by the, the man at the pool of Bethesda. And I just, have you ever put yourself in that picture? 
Maybe it was one of the disciples or maybe somebody else, and he says, hey, Rick, take him by the hand. Let him stand. Help him to stand. And I got to be part of that. I don't have to dream anymore because I can see those miracles happening already and they're just barely begun. One of our pastors called me some time ago. This is Tom's miracle. I received a phone call from him and said, you know, uh, Rick, our ministerial director kind of reminded me maybe I need to talk to you. I just got some bad news from the cardiologist. My bypass surgery I had 20 years ago is almost completely plugged up. And he says, you need another bypass surgery. Are there any other options, he asked me. Is there anything else I can do? Well, I reminded him, Tom, I'm not your doctor, and I'm not going to tell you to do something opposite of what your doctor's been saying. Has he given you a little time to look at this? He says, yeah. He said, you know, go think about it, talk to your... Here's what I'll do. I will do some research. I will find the most accurate information I possibly can and give to you on this subject and let you and your family decide what you want to do. That's all I can do. I'm not going to push him to do something. So, so I did. I called one of my friends who I asked about the situation. He was, was actually the founder of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I figured if anybody knows about lifestyle, he would. And then I went online to um, someone that I have spent a little bit of time with. It was Caldwell Esselstein. I went on his website. I found his email. I sent him an email. Told him a little bit about our pastor. Caldwell calls me back. Surprise. And he said, give your pastor this phone number and have him call me. So I did. Pastor called him. He talked to him for 20 minutes. He explained to him the things that would make a difference in his health. And at the end, he quizzed him. He said, so he wanted to make sure he understood it real clearly. And then he said, if you do what you just said and what I just told you, you will not need a bypass surgery. I'm glad he said that instead of me. I don't want that kind of responsibility. <laughs> he did. My job then was to work with him to accomplish what he was told to do. And I did. Before he started making these lifestyle changes, he could only walk about 10 minutes and he would get chest pain. In two weeks, he was walking an hour with no chest pain at all. His doctor continued to call to find out where he was in this process, and the uh, pastor explained to him. He says, you know what? We don't even do bypass surgery if you don't have any chest pain. He says, let me just take you off the list. And I just wanted to clarify to you, we do not ignore medical, good medical, sound medical advice. We don't tell them, don't do this. But we work within 
that system to where the doctor, the cardiologist says you don't need this any longer, not us. Was that a miracle? That was as much a miracle as Jesus coming down and healing him of his heart disease. Does he still work today? He works through us, gives us opportunities. So I can be part of this exciting ministry. I can be part of the healing process. I don't know how many of you remember Tim Russert, host of the Meet the Press, till his sudden death from a heart attack in 2008. Widowmaker, left anterior descending coronary artery, plugged up within minutes, he had died. Russ, a 36-year-old teacher in Denver, exactly same problem, the widowmaker, sudden chest pain. It was a miracle he did not die. But as he met with the doctor, he, the doctor first of all said, you have a second chance at life. and then said, the reason you had this was because of COVID, your genetics, and your sleep apnea. But Russ learned something. He learned from Caldwell Esselstyn, from the Cleveland Clinic's cardiac reversal program, that it was his fault. There were things that he had done because of his lifestyle and the, and the extra cholesterol through all the animal products he was eating, the inflammation of his endothelial cells that line the coronary vessels had progressively thinned. And this next picture, you'll see that happening. The thinning, actually it wasn't. Um, but since it was his fault, I wanted to share this with you because this was the former president of the American College of Cardiology. He says, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want it to be my fault. How many can you <laughs> relate to that? There are things that we do that cause our disease. There are things that we do that cause our death. And Russ decided it wasn't going to be his fault anymore. He looked at the things that he was doing that were causing the disease. And as we look at this next picture, you will actually see what was happening. As the coronary artery began to have plaque build up under the endothelial cells and grow, and because of the inflammation, it would get thinner and thinner. You see that little white line that's on the, the lining of that bulge and gets thinner until the force of the blood rushing by it ruptures that space flips it open and a clot is formed. Within two minutes, complete blockage where there was good blood flow before that. No symptoms until sudden pain. And for, for many people, sudden death. Sometimes you think, well, I won't make any change until the doc, I, I have a doctor, he's working with me. If he says there's a problem, then I'll start making some changes. No warning. Don't wait. 
make the lifestyle changes we should do regardless of any kind of symptoms. While this is happening, there's no itching, there's no burning, there's, there's nothing going on in your body that warns you that that's going on. That's why God's given us principles to follow. He doesn't say follow these principles when you have a problem. Russ was glad that there was an answer. If all he did, if all he had to look forward to is these genetic things that he could not change, he would be going through the rest of his life wondering when the next foot is going to drop, the next shoe is going to hit him, when this is going to come back and take him away from his young son and his wife. But when we understand what causes it, we can understand the cure. And when we understand the cure, there's hope. Mary's story is one that we see every day of reversal of diabetes, normalizing of blood pressure, through a, the power of a plant-based diet, her story continues with weekly improvements. I must have got those out of line. This is, a, this is what the solution was for Russ, is these plant-based things, the healing of the nutrients and the, and the dark greens and so forth, and the beautiful fruits that we have. And this shows you how you can be kind of heart attack proof. Through those lifestyle principles you just saw, you notice the lining getting thicker and thicker as you move to the right. Those are the endothelial cells that are healing, that aren't thin anymore, that aren't going to rupture anymore. And that's why Dr. Esselstein takes that bold statement and says, you can be heart attack proof. And this is the proof to show you what's happening. Now, the interesting thing is this is not just happening right there where the heart attack was. This is happening throughout your body. The lining of those vessels is becoming stronger, healthier, and, and heart attack proof all over. You may stint one little spot that's a problem, but what about the rest of it? Fix it through lifestyle. Back to Mary's story, she sees these reversal processes every day. She's actually coming to our dive, and by the way, this is not her real name, so just to let you know, I don't share information without permission. We're waiting for her hemoglobin A1C to come back, but with her blood sugars dropping like they are, I know that her hemoglobin A1C, which is the marker we really look at, is going to be much, much better than 9.5. We see these miracles every day. You know what you normally see in the, in the, in the typical health care for diabetes? Slowly increasing medication. Blood sugars slowly going up, needing to put more and more medication to that. We see the opposite of that. As you see here, slowly decrease 
blood sugars slowly decrease needs of medication. That's God's method, turning it around. Even these slow processes is a miracle. It's a process of a miracle that we get to see. So how do we begin to turn this whole thing around, this problem that we described? How do we turn it around? How do we go from, uh, from where we are and just it doesn't matter to making it such an important part of, of our church ministry, such an important part of how we reach our world, an important part to start showing miracles to get the attention of the world in the same way Jesus did with millions of people flocking to see him. How do we turn this around to get the results that God planned for us at this time? We start with ourselves. Realizing that the principles that bring health are from the creator himself, a gift. They are tools to develop the mind and body into the person that God designed us to be. They are all designed for our good, and in following them, it promotes help and happiness in this life and aids in the preparation for the life to come. Do you want to prepare for the life to come? That's his design, for us to be growing, moving, getting stronger, doing more having the strength to help others instead of getting weaker, sicker, with less energy and being able to help less and less. What if 22 million Seventh-day Adventists were mostly free from cancer, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, and more? What would that catch the attention of the world? Those doctors I showed you before, they already quote Adventist Health Study. They already look at Adventists. They actually look more at the studies, not necessarily at Adventists anymore because the people they work with are getting better results than we are possibly showing them. And what if these people, not only these 22 million Adventists, not only took care of themselves, but were compassionately helping other people around them. That even says more, doesn't it, to the world? Not only that you're healthy, but you are helping other people. And in many cases, free. That would get the attention of the world. Expect the unexpected. Can I expect, and can you expect miracles in your own life? Yes, but with conditions. I want to read this quote here, and this is maybe a little negative, but uh, I'm going to change it around anyway. God will not work a miracle to keep those from sickness who have no care for themselves. Okay, I don't like that. It kind of sounds a little pointing the finger, but anyway. But are continually violating the laws of health and make no effort to prevent disease. Now I want to turn that around because I like things more positive. Okay. <clears throat> God will, and this is exactly, this is, this is appropriate. God will work miracles to keep those from sickness who care for themselves. Are continually following laws of health 
and make effort to prevent disease. Was that an appropriate uh, interpretation of what we just read? He will work miracles. I like that a lot better. But don't just wait for something to go wrong and ask for a miracle after that. Isn't it much easier to prevent disease? I mean, just as an example, take breast cancer and prostate cancer, and they usually respond the same way to uh, male and female differences. A few cancer cells in your body isn't going to cause any problem. A billion will. And a billion cells is, usually takes about, it could take 10, 20, 30 years to go from a few cells to a billion, which is about the size that I can now detect a lump. Why do we wait for the lump? Why do we wait for the billion? We already know there are things we can do. I mean, here's... Here is a list of things you can do that actually cause the body to fight against and kill those guys early. Why in the world do we wait until there is a lump when we already know how to prevent it? Plant-based diet, broccoli was one of the most powerful. It has a thing called sulforaphane in it that uh, actually turns on the body's fighting against cancer. Flaxseed. There's some things in that. I'm not going to go through all this, but soy. Uh, Lowering your cholesterol, losing weight. All of those things are things that we can do. Do it early. It's just like Jesus, when we, sometimes when we pray for forgiveness, and I can hear him say sometimes, uh, why didn't you come earlier? Why didn't you come when the temptation was there? Now you're coming with scars. Now you're coming with these problems. Learn to come early, not only in health, but also in our relationship with God to get victory. Why not fight it early? You know, these different foods that God has given us are amazing. I mean, they look amazing. They're beautiful. They taste great. Um, God's plan for our diet includes the joy and happiness of delicious flavors that he's put into the creation. He has not said, uh, here's a diet I'm going to give you. I know it tastes terrible. I know it's horrible, but you have to do that. I mean, no way is he going to do that. God's plan for, uh, includes our joy. There's nothing second rate about his food choices for us. And the joy of health is better than any food that you might be giving up. I always tell my patients this, or people as we're teaching too. Next slide on there. There's no food that tastes better than healthy feels. Those of you who are battling with disease know what I'm talking about. God knew that we would have many decisions to make to make in life that self-restraint in the face of, of, I think it's the next slide on there. True happiness comes when we learn self-restraint in the face of misled desire. 
In other words, we desire something that is actually going to hurt us. But we still desire it. That's where we need the self-restraint when we look at that. And in fact, Anna Kiesenhofer learned the value of perseverance with a goal in mind, and it paid off. It will take effort to make good lifestyle changes. We know that, and that's why we've established our Lifestyle Center there at the Rocky Mountain Conference Office to help our members and our community reach their goals. We don't just say, here's the information, now go do it. We are there supporting, coaching, helping, giving information, but always being there to, to support as well. I know it's hard. I know many of you sitting here are saying, yeah, I've tried that. Or maybe you've said, I don't want to do that again. It's too hard. Or I just love, name it, I don't want to give that up. You know, when God first started showing Adam and Eve what was available in the garden, he says, all of these things I'm going to give to you. Just don't eat from that tree. All of these things are wonderful and perfect. Just that one thing. I wonder, I don't have any proof for this, but I wonder if Eve was a lot like our kids. All you wanted was the one thing you couldn't have. And I tell the people as we're teaching them in our lifestyle center, I said, don't focus on the thing you can't have. Focus on all the beautiful, wonderful things that there are here. And here we go. I, we want our cheese tree. We want this or that. And that's all we can think about, what we have to give up. As we look at the Lifestyle Center, uh, we are developing a strong professional presence with Dr. Arnott coming, a most experienced lifestyle physician that can help you reach optimum health using God's best principles. There he is. And uh, he will be available in person or by phone through telemedicine. We're the only conference I know of that has this kind of an opportunity for its members. Having a physician you can talk to and get help from in lifestyle right from your own home and in person. I, mean, I talk to other conferences and they say, <laughs> how do you guys do that? We have health volunteers and, and also the coaching aspect. Uh, I've just started working with the NAD, North America Division. Actually, we've, we've been doing this for over a year and developed the Adventist Association of Health and Wellness Coaching. What's neat is the pastors are hearing about this and say, this is something we need too. As we look at people who are involved with health, the coaching is the answer to success. Where do we get our coaches? Right here. You guys, when you, when you think about being part of that miracle of helping that lame man stand up, you have that opportunity now. Helping those people 
making those changes, taking their hand and helping, listening to them. In closing, I'd like to summarize. We have a big job to do, don't we? As we think about this job that God has given to us, reaching the whole world. I mean, we've done some, but nowhere near what has to happen. But he's given us the power and the skill and the resources to do it. We need to fit into his vision, not our own. The thing that worked for him was healing. Gave him the platform to present the gospel. That's why he's doing it. Wants us to do the same thing. It is powerful. Everyone wants to be healthy. When we have that package, the big picture, we're guaranteed victory as we partner with him in his plan. Guaranteed victory. The goal is much bigger than a gold medal. It's eternal life and the joy that comes from working with him in his most important work of healing. I saw the picture of the Austrian raising her hand, and I said, I've seen a picture like that before. Here it is. The gold medal. And look at who's with us. We can be part of that. It may take some effort, but he guarantees us success. Would you stand with us as we sing our closing hymn, hymn number 187, Jesus, What a Friend for Sinners.
Father, you have been here today. You're walking through these aisles longing to touch and to heal. And you're giving us that ministry. Lord, I pray that as as you see the potential of what can happen, starting here, starting other churches, starting within our, our members, and what can happen You are ready to work with us. You are ready to to be there to make it happen. Give us the desire to be part of that plan, to be part of this healing ministry. And I thank you that you'll do that in Jesus' name. Amen.